You're in the ER. Report from Emergency Medical Services, or EMS, is called in. They have two teenagers involved in a high-speed motor vehicle collision, or MVC. The first patient is a restrained driver complaining of left arm and back pain with stable vital signs who is alert and oriented. The second patient is an unrestrained passenger who is ejected through the windshield who is unresponsive, hypotensive, and being bagged en route. How do we prioritize and assess these patients? This is Trauma Nursing to Go. In this episode, we're going to cover the basics of the trauma survey that we use to evaluate all trauma patients, including the primary and secondary survey. There are many phases of trauma care. In this particular scenario, this is after pre-hospital phase, and now patient is arriving or planning for the trauma resuscitation phase. Trauma resuscitation can be chaotic, dramatic, and distracting. It's probably the only thing that movies and TV shows seem to get right is the chaos, but really, when the team is running efficiently, there is no chaos. It's very orchestrated and organized. Evaluating trauma patients is done in a systematic and uniform approach known as the trauma survey. This is described in many courses and certifications for nursing, such as the Trauma Nursing Core Course, TNCC, or Advanced Trauma Care for Nurses, or ATCN. Similarly, our advanced practice and physician colleagues also have a certification course known as Advanced Trauma Life Support, or ATLS. I am not endorsing any particular course. However, I definitely encourage you to participate in one. We're going to go over the general overview of a trauma survey that is generally covered in these courses because this is the basis or foundation for all of our case studies and trauma care going forward, is to understand the trauma survey, how we initially evaluate these patients, and identify and prioritize injuries. So for our very quick review, the primary survey is a rapid assessment for life-threatening conditions, just going over your ABCs. Look, listen, and feel, starting with your airway. While you're evaluating the airway, you maintain C-spine precautions if necessary, and you check for patency to make sure there's no obstructions or occlusions. Then you see if the patient's breathing. If their airway is clear, you can assess to see if they're ventilating, having any gas exchange. Then you move on to circulation, their pulses, their color, any type of bleeding. Uncontrolled hemorrhage can absolutely take priority, and they even say we start with CABCs now as opposed to ABCs. Once airway, breathing, circulation, and hemorrhage control have been addressed, then you move on to disability, such as evaluating their level of consciousness, their Glasgow Coma Scale, including best eyes, motor, and verbal response, which is kind of an objective way for us to trend their neurostatus, though it is by no means a perfect scale. Once you evaluate disability, then it's on to exposure and environmental control. In short, in trauma, where we cut off everybody's clothes for a full exam, but we need to make sure that we prevent hypothermia. When this primary survey is complete and everything is okay or addressed, then we can move on to the secondary survey, and only then. Sometimes life-threatening conditions take precedence, and you might have to go to the operating room before you ever even complete a secondary survey. So part of the secondary survey includes getting a history, the story behind the injury, any history medically that they may have, including allergies and medications, and then you do a more thorough head-to-toe exam. Now, in the secondary survey, the head-to-toe exam includes the head, maxillofacial structures, neck and cervical spine, chest, abdomen, pelvis, and extremities. It's also very important to turn the patient and check their back to make sure there's nothing you miss, particularly in penetrating trauma. Based on what you find, more specific exam from there on out. You have interventions based on those findings, and you make a plan. So back to our case studies. Obviously, in real life, we would manage the unresponsive patient first, but for the sake of educational purposes, let's evaluate the driver. So EMS arrives with a restrained driver. EMS reports he's got no meds, history, or allergies, complaining of left arm pain with a deformed 
deformity at his wrist, and as he's moved onto the gurney, we note that he is alert and talking. The team leader starts the survey and calls out the assessment. Airway is intact with no obstruction. He's breathing with bilateral clear breath sounds, strong steady pulses with circulation, and no uncontrolled bleeding noted. For disability, when you ask him his name and date of birth, he responds correctly, is able to give us a thumbs up sign, and his eyes remain open throughout the exam, which gives him a Glasgow Coma Scale or GCS of 15. For exposure, the team begins to completely undress the patient. The primary survey is complete with no abnormalities noted, and we can proceed to the secondary survey. So the team leader continues to call out the secondary survey assessment findings. The head is atraumatic with eyes pearl with 3 millimeters bilaterally, ears with tympanic membranes or TMs intact, mid-face is stable with no oral trauma, patient has non-tender C-spine with no deformity or step-offs and full range of motion, the chest wall has a positive seatbelt sign to the anterior chest with no deformities or tenderness, abdomen is soft, non-distended, and non-tender to palpation, pelvis is stable to AP and lateral compression with genitalia atraumatic. The extremities show a left upper extremity with an obvious deformity around the wrist with CSM intact. The left shoulder also has tenderness but no deformity noted. Right upper extremity and bilateral lower extremities have full range of motion, strong pulses with no deformities or complaints of pain. The patient is turned and the back is evaluated with the TNL spine palpated with no step-offs, deformities, or tenderness. So in summary, we have an 18-year-old male restrained driver in a high-speed MVC with a positive seatbelt sign to his chest left shoulder tenderness, and left wrist deformity and pain. Let's plan on a chest x-ray, left shoulder, forearm imaging, and pain medication. The patient will be moved to the ER, pain controlled, imaging done, positive for radial fracture, which is splinted with CSM remains intact. We're able to discharge this patient home with follow-up with orthopedic. This is an example of a very simple, straightforward trauma survey. Now the next patient comes in. EMS arrives with the young male who's unresponsive. The team leader starts the primary survey. There's already blood noted in the airway, which is suctioned out immediately. The patient is noted to be apneic with bag valve mask in progress, and we prepare to intubate the patient. While intubation and RSI is in progress, we note that the patient has strong pulses bilaterally. We try grabbing a GCS before we intubate. The best we can do is eyes one for closed, verbal one for none, and motor he's able to withdraw to pain, which is four, which gives him a GCS of six. His pupils are eight millimeters on the left and sluggish and three millimeters on the right and brisk. The patient is exposed by the team while they prepare to intubate. So now that the airway is secured, we can begin the secondary survey. Obviously, for this patient, we're unable to obtain any type of history, and all we have from the story is the same accident that the earlier patient was from. So for the secondary survey, on his head, there's a large laceration and skull depression to the left anterior scalp with no current active bleeding. The left TM does have blood. The right TM is clear. Face shows crepitus to the maxilla and oral trauma noted with blood in the mouth. For his neck, a C collar remains in place, but there's no obvious step-off or deformity. For his chest, there's no deformity or crepitus. There are scattered abrasions around the left clavicle and shoulder. Abdomen appears soft and non-distended. Pelvis is stable to AP and lateral compression. His genitalia is atraumatic. His extremities have passive range of motion with no obvious deformities. And then we turn this patient after we've secured his airway. We note for his TNL spine, there's no obvious step-off or deformities. So in summary, we have an unidentified male who has a suspected severe head injury and possibly other less severe injuries. Our priority is a head CT and subsequent management. Given his mechanism and unresponsiveness, it's likely he'll get pan scanned to rule out other occult injuries and likely admit to OR with neurosurgery or intensive care unit for observation.
So in short, these are two very quick and dirty examples of what the trauma survey can look like, whether it's you being a first responder and arriving to this patient on the initial scene, or this is you within a hospital setting with the whole trauma team surrounding you. This just lays down the foundation for our trauma care and our case studies going forward. For example, we'll say the primary survey was positive for apnea, so the patient was intubated, or the secondary survey was positive for a deformity in the right forearm just as a summary for our future case studies. Remember, trauma care can be very chaotic, but the survey is a very systematic approach to take in all situations. When you're new especially, it's very easy to get distracted when you see a bone sticking out of place where it shouldn't, and you wanna just go there immediately as soon as the patient shows up, but you have to go through your ABCs. The whole team is on the same page about the systematic approach, and that way you address any life-threatening injuries first, and also you will not miss anything as you go through the whole system. In scenarios where the patient maybe goes to the operating room before you can finish a full survey, a whole trauma survey needs to be done at a later time, like when the stabilization surgery is complete, uh, maybe when the patient's awake and can talk to me and let you know what specifically is hurting them that could be evaluated further. So in summary, this is the trauma survey. Just a very quick overview. Obviously, in the real trauma world, the trauma room, we have a lot more tools to our disposal. We'll have chest x-ray right there at the bedside, ultrasound for an EFAS. There's a lot more tools to the trade that it can be included, but this is just your basic first response head-to-toe survey that we're going to use as we move forward. Thank you for listening to Trauma Nursing To Go. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. As a reminder, I do not represent my employer and the cases presented here are fictional and intended for educational purposes only. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and get updates and check out the website traumanursingtogo.com. If there's any topics, questions, or concerns you have, please contact me through the website, my email, or you can contact me on Twitter. Thanks for listening.